meet over to my left and your right. And so Miss Misty is here for Children's Church. Lauren, are you helping today? Okay, this is dangerous. No, I'm kidding. Kidding. No, that's great. Thank you for helping. So y'all come right here. Mr. Mace, they're going to wait for you right there, buddy. And any of our children like to go to, uh, to um, Children's Church, please feel free to do that. It'll be a, a blessing. I know you'll have a great time. While they're all still coming together, Revelation chapter 6 is where I'll call your attention this morning. Revelation chapter 6, and beginning with uh, about verse 9 here in just a few moments. Revelation chapter 6, we'll begin reading in verse 9 through the end of that chapter. If you do not have a copy of God's Word, the words will be on the screen here. Uh, behind me and in front of you so that you can follow with us as we read God's word together this morning. Aren't you glad there's a fountain today? One of my favorite old songs is that old song that says there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Amen? Not some of them, not part of them, but thank God all of them. Amen? If you found your place and physically able, let's stand together in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God. Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. Notice with me, if you will, what the Word of God says to us today. It says, When he, speaking of Jesus, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the Word of God and for the testimony which they held. They cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who had been killed as they were was completed. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. The stars of heaven fell to the earth <clears throat> as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd add your blessing to the reading of your word today. I pray, God, you'd help me to articulate your truth in a way that your people can comprehend and be able to prepare themselves, prepare their hearts, and be energized to share their faith so that others will come to know you in this day of grace and escape this horrible time of judgment that is to come upon all the world. I pray, God, you use this day for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Today I'm speaking to you on the subject of a severe storm warning. 
Last week we examined the first eight verses of chapter 6. We noticed that there was a great shift in the focus of the writing because in chapter 5 the focus was on worship in heaven. In chapter 6 we begin to read of the beginning of the judgment of God as the first four seals of judgment were opened that will take place in a time of tribulation after the body of Christ has been raptured into the presence of God in glory. These first four seals reveal the work of the Antichrist as he spreads false peace. He will also spread war, famine, and death in major ways. We determined that last rider, 25% of the world's population at this point is probably about 2 billion people will die as a result of that seal being opened. As he spreads these things across the globe, it will be a horrible time upon planet Earth, but it will be just the beginning of many more manifestations of God's wrath that is to follow. Today in our text, we begin to notice the openings of seals number five and six, which will be a time of brutal persecution a time of blind panic on planet earth. These seals should further send a warning to the world of the storm of judgment that is just out there on the horizon of time. When we think of storm warnings in our part of the world, we think of weather. We think of severe thunderstorm warnings, tornado watches and tornado warnings. We all know the difference and when we hear that word tornado warning, we know one is not just possible, it's out there, it's somewhere in the area and we need to take cover. Thankfully, we're blessed here in our part of the world to have some skilled meteorologists and even followers of Jesus Christ like our good buddy James Spann over there at ABC 3340. We know of his tireless work, how he not only warns but helps prepare people for the storms and even knows where they might strike. If there was one here in Heflin, he might say it's just over past Marie's Barbecue between there and the Sparkle Mart. I mean, he knows where every building is and every city in the state of Alabama. He's very, very sharp on that. We often joke about when we watch the storm uh, cast on the, on the TV that if he's got a coat on, we're all good. He takes the coat off, and we see his suspenders, we get worried. And when he takes off his shirt and only wears suspenders, God help our souls. Amen? I'm telling you, he is. <laughs> oh, me. Well, today I don't have any suspenders, and I'm certainly not taking my shirt off. And y'all said, thank God. Amen? I, but I do want you to know today, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, I've come here today to issue a very severe storm warning not just for a region but for the global region of the entire planet it won't just be localized it'll be globalized and my intent today is to present truth from the word of God that would lead souls to the saving grace of Jesus Christ and not only that but if you are a follower of Jesus Christ that it would energize you and maybe even equip you better to intensely and intentionally share your faith in Jesus Christ with unbelievers how serious is this judgment Warren Wiersbe said this he said if men and women will not yield to the love of God and be changed by the grace of God then there is no way to escape the wrath of God 
So as we look at the text today, and as is my custom and the way I believe God leads me to present his word, we're going to walk through the text together. We're going to allow the text to speak to us, and we're going to live truth from the word of God and not try to read our opinions into the word of God. Today I want to share with you as we talk about this severe storm warning, if you would just notice with me, if you will, the misery of the martyrs. Looks like we got it. There we go. The misery of the martyrs. As the fifth seal is open, John sees a vision of an altar of martyred souls. These are the souls of people that are killed during the tribulation by war, famine, disease, and refusal to worship the Antichrist. Now notice something about the misery of these martyrs. There's two things. Notice their position that he sees them. He sees them under the altar. See, John sees these souls of these who gave their lives valiantly to Christ during the tribulation, and even though a specific altar is not mentioned, most commentators and theologians agree that it is a reference to the altar of incense that we read about in Exodus 40, verse 5, because of its association with prayer. We'll read about how they called out to God. But keep in mind as we talk about their position of being under the altar that the altar is a place of sacrifice. When a person comes to an altar today and they sacrifice themselves, their heart, their life, their ambitions and everything else for the glory of God, they place their guilt, their shame and sin on an altar and it is given to the Lord and we are cleansed by his blood and it is taken away never to be remembered anymore it is so symbolic of what took place in the Old Testament when the, the altar was used to sacrifice the blood of animals to atone for the sins for one year, but Jesus entered once into the Holy of Holies. Amen? That he might offer sacrifice sins one time. But keep in mind that the altar is a place of sacrifice and these tribulations are seen under it symbolic of the sacrifice of their own lives. Not only their position, but notice with me, if you will, their persecution in the last part of verse 9. What was the cause behind their persecution and martyrdom? Well, the scripture mentions two things. It mentions first the word of God. If you take a stand for the word of God in a godless culture, you will be hated and persecuted for your stance. And most of the time, your persecution will come from people who profess to know Jesus. That's the way it goes in this world. But in that time, they are hated. Why? Because even though the world is hostile toward the word of God today, if you don't believe me, stand up and preach on the sanctity of life. If you don't believe it, stand up and preach on the biblical definition of marriage. If you don't believe it, stand up and preach on the evils of alcohol. You will be persecuted. You will find a hostile crowd. Why? Because Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 12 that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And if you're a preacher who does everybody loves and everybody, I'm telling you there's a good chance that you are catering to the crowd and not being faithful to the word of God. But in those days, they will be hated even more so because of the hostility toward the word of God. The, the persecution we face today will pale in comparison 
to the persecution of those tribulation saints during those days. See, those who come to Christ during that time, they'll be bold in proclaiming God's word. They will be calling people to repent and believe the gospel and the Antichrist and his forces will have no toleration for them and they will die a cruel death because of their faithfulness to the word of God. There's a second thing it mentions too and that's their testimony. I don't know about you, but my testimony matters to me. I don't know about you, but your testimony matters to me. I used to take it too personal, Ray. I really did. When I was a younger pastor, I'd have people come to me all the time. Let me tell you what one of your deacons did. Let me tell you about what one of your Sunday school. Let me tell you what your choir director did, Marty. Where are you at, Marty? You with me? They, they picked on you. Let me tell you what your youth director did. Well, no, it was always this, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would feel personally responsible for them not caring about their own testimony. And that was foolish, wasn't it? And I had somebody really help me one day. Dr. Tyre, old first Newton, talked to me one day. He said, son, listen to me. He said, you cannot hold yourself personally responsible for the actions of the people in the church between Sundays. He said, you can't hold it. He said, what you're responsible for is what you tell them on Sunday. Amen? So here I am. I'm telling you, all right? But in the tribulation period, they will be persecuted not just for the word of God, but because of their testimony. Listen, right now, listen to me, church. Hear me now. This is my heartbeat for you. Today, we must come to the point that what matters most to us is our faithfulness to God. Faithfulness to the word of God and the gospel must be more important than our pleasure, our leisure, and even our life itself. We must value faithfulness to God's word more than we value the ability to go on about our day and live a happy life. How do I know this? The church at Smyrna, if you'll remember from chapter 2, they were challenged to be faithful how long? Until death. We must answer the challenge, church, that we would protect our testimony, be faithful to the word of God, even to death. See, this life is not the ultimate reason for your existence. Did you know that? I, don't, I want to help you today. What you accomplish or what you accumulate in this life is not the reason for which you were created. You want me to help you today? Well, preacher, if that's not it, why was I created? You exist, friend, for the glory of God. Oh, I was made in his likeness. Y'all remember that? Created in his image. Oh, I was born to serve the Lord. Oh, I, I can't deny him. And I'll always walk beside him because I was born to serve the Lord in the words of the songwriter. Hear me today, friend. You were exist for the glory of God. And if you never hear anything I say to you from this pulpit, I plead with you to live for the glory of God. Don't live for yourself. I got in trouble one time. Y'all can't imagine that, can you? Had a man to come to see me. What happened was, it's just hostility and persecution. I had a man left the church, and he took about 40 people with him and just scattered people everywhere. He was really an apostate. And I'll believe that to the day I die. He was an apostate. 
And he had some influence over some younger guys in their 20s. And he got one of them charged up one day, sent them up there to straighten me out. So I said, and listen, here's what happened. I had quoted Steve Jobs in a sermon. You know who Steve Jobs was? Okay. Pretty wealthy guy, right? But in one of his addresses to a graduating class at one of those Ivy League schools, I can't remember which one, I quoted it, and I'm not quoting today, but I can find it. You won't believe me. But he basically said this, don't live your life for anyone else. Live your life for yourself. He said that. So I took the direct quote to our church, and I said to our church, I said, this is bad advice. You don't need to be like John Bon Jovi saying it's my life. And I know it's hard for 80s kids for us to believe that John Bon Jovi may not be righteous. I know he wrote a song about prayer, didn't you, right? <laughs> hey, hey, hear me, hear me. It's not your life. If you are a child of God, it is your life hidden in Christ. It is you. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I said to those young people, and I said to the entire church, don't follow this advice. Follow the word of God. Live your life for the glory of God. Young man, come to see me. He sat down there with me. He says, and I, could, I knew where it was coming from. Y'all ever had somebody come see you that somebody pumped up and sent to see you? Y'all don't believe this. I'm more discerning than y'all think I am. I may look like a country bumpkin, but I tell you what, somewhere in there, there's some experience that's taught me some stuff. Amen? Amen. And I knew he'd been sent by somebody else because of the way he was talking. It's, I could hear it. And he was again telling me that I was misquote Steve Jobs and I didn't need to talk bad about it. I, I didn't talk bad about him. I just said his advice is wrong. That's okay. I'm not a dumb dog preacher. I'm going to bark when I see danger. Amen? And finally I looked at him. I said, I know who sent you here. His face got as wide as a gun. And I said, I want to tell you something right now. If you've got something you don't like about me, you disagree with about me, you come see me anytime. But don't you ever let anybody pump you up and charge you up that don't have a clue. I said, don't let an apostate ever send you to see a God-called pastor. Amen? You got to get tough sometimes, boys. It's not always easy, and that's the thing about ministry. It's messy sometimes. You got to get down there in the gutter and deal with it because I'm telling you, you don't live for yourself. Well, pastor, here's the question. I get it all the time, and I've even had this said to me. If people are going to be saved during the tribulation period, I'll just live the way I want to, and I'll just come to Jesus then. Here, Scripture does not support your plan. You're believing a lie. Now stay with me. There's not one shred of scriptural evidence that will support that people who are hearing the gospel on this side of the rapture and this side of tribulation are going to have the opportunity to be saved on the other side. Now, people will be saved. And I really believe it'll be a lot of people who've never heard the gospel. They're going to be fired up. They're not going to be a bunch of bored Baptists. But I want you to hear me. If you've heard the gospel in this day of grace and you reject the truth, you're in grave danger, friend. I don't report that to you to condemn you, and I don't report that to you to throw a rock at you. I report that to you to throw a rope to you, a lifeline of grace that will bring you to Christ. Say, preacher, how do you know all this? Well, 
Paul spoke to these folks in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. Here's what he said. He said that the Lord said in the days of tribulation that he would send strong delusion that they should believe a lie. If people are so easily deceived by the false prophets of this day, how easily deceived will they be in the day of tribulation when there is no working of the Holy Spirit through the lives of believers, when that restraining force is removed and all evil runs rampant, how easily will they be deceived during those days? Deception and delusion will be the hallmarks of the days of tribulation. Hear me. Don't wait. Don't play games with your eternity. Give your heart to Jesus today. Don't believe one of Satan's greatest lies that you've just got plenty of time. You don't have plenty of time. Time is running out. Today is the day of salvation. Come to Jesus. Oh, that's the misery of the martyrs, but i got to press on. Notice the look toward the Lamb in verses 10 and 11. You see these tribulation martyrs who were seen under the altar... They lift their voices and they cry out to God for divine judgment. Judgment on who? That it would be executed on those who were responsible for their deaths. Well, let's see what happened. Notice their petition in verse 10. The Bible says they cried out. This is a strong word that emphasizes the urgent need and it denotes strong emotion. They're, they're not just saying, hey, Jesus, oh, Oh, lowly, sweet Lamb of God. No, they're crying out, Oh, God, execute judgment on those who are responsible for our pain. The word Lord here is rather interesting also. It's a different Greek word. In the original language, it's used for a master of slaves. It emphasizes absolute power and authority, and it is only used in Scripture in this one verse. I think that's interesting. Well, what about this prayer? Well, it describes a few things about the Lord. It describes that he is holy. Because he is holy, he must judge sin. It describes that he is true because he is faithful to his word and he keeps his promises. But keep this in mind. These martyrs had come to Christ and called upon him to demonstrate his love and declare his word in a world that had gone mad. They came at a most inopportune time. They cried out for injustice on their persecutors because of their love. Their love had been repaid with evil. They wanted justice to be done so that God's goodness would be vindicated. So they called for vengeance on the part of God and not on the part of themselves. It was not a prayer of hatred. It was a prayer for God to show his glory. I love the way Danny Aiken describes it. He said their prayer is heartfelt. It is sincere and biblically grounded. They do not cry out for personal revenge, but for divine injustice. Further, they trust all of this into the hands of their sovereign Savior and Master. That's their petition, but notice also their provision in verse 11. In response to their cries, they're given some peace some comfort from the Lord. Notice what he gave them. He gave them a white robe. This white robe symbolizes blessedness, dignity, honor, purity, and victory. Most of all, it symbolizes the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
You know, when we talk about righteous, I'll never forget I was sitting in a biology 101 class at Jacksonville State University, first semester ever there. And, and of course, you know, they were teaching on evolution, and it was, I'd never had one of these classrooms over at Cleveland County High School. It went up like a movie theater. Man, I felt as out of place as a polecat in a perfume factory. I didn't know, and they didn't have that stuff. So I'm up there on about the back row, and there's this dude about half asleep beside me, and we're talking about. They're teaching on evolution and how creation couldn't be true and all that. And I looked over him. I said, this is so sad that people believe this stuff. And he looked over at me and he says, hey, man, don't be getting righteous on us. <laughs> righteous, wow. I know what my righteousness is worth. Filthy rags. But I also know what the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ costs. It costs the blood of Calvary. And because he went to Calvary, he was able to give that kind of righteousness into a person like me and you who had none of our own, but he put it to our account that we could walk not in our own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Oh, but he told him, he says, y'all going to have to rest. It's time for y'all to rest. Oh, these words were not words of rebuke. But it was an invitation from the Lord to cease the cries for vengeance. And just enjoy some heavenly rest. I don't know about y'all, but when you get away from your daily routine, is there anybody besides me that it takes a little while to unwind? I, I tell you, this is the hardest thing about me. Most of the time when I start to get a little unwound, it's time to go back. Anybody with me? Y'all got the same struggles? I'm among friends? Good, good. It's really hard sometimes to unwind because we're in a world that's in overdrive. We have responsibilities. We have families. We have all these different things. And whether it's your job or whether it's some struggle or trial, things will dominate your thinking to where you can't really rest. But he told him just to rest. How long did he tell him to rest? He said, it's just going to be a little while. I like that. The Lord answers for him. He says, listen, I won't just tell you how to handle your cry. I'm going to go ahead and tell you the rest period won't be very long. He tells them there's a reason for their wait. What is that? He said, there's still others yet to come in the family. <laughs> hey, y'all with me? Hey, there's still some brethren and some sistren that are yet to join us. And when he told them that, he also told them to rest, to be patient, and to trust him. See, the emphasis here is on the Lord's sovereign control of the world. You need to know this. It's not in your hands. I set up to 1 o'clock Saturday morning to see if we could finally get a Speaker of the House in the United States of America after 15 votes. Now, I'm not a politician, but that fires me up a little bit. Because I'm a person who tries to bring unity to people, bring people together around the common purpose of the cross. This is not about politics. It just shows you the state of disunity and disorganization and chaos that will be a way to pave the way for the Antichrist to take over the world. Why? We can't get along. We can't get along with our own parties. I'm not a party person told y'all I'm a kingdom independent I make my votes based on what I believe the word of God says and I don't base it on anything else I don't base it on polls 
I don't base it on campaign calls or cards in the mail. I base it on thus saith the word of God. Oh, man. You say, well, give me a perfect candidate. There's not one. There's not one. There's not a perfect preacher. There's not a perfect person. But I believe with all in my heart that we need to always remember that even though it is chaos, even in this country, it is not beyond the sovereign control of a holy God. God knows who will be martyred during that time. He knows who will come into the family. He will vindicate them, but he will not do it until his appointed time. But notice with me finally, if you would, the advancement of affliction. This is where, as they say, the rubber meets the road. This is where judgment kicks into high gear. As the sixth seal is open, it becomes very clear that the martyred waiting period has passed and God's judgment and wrath is being poured out on their persecutors. Walk through the text with me, two things. One, it will be an affliction of international force. Notice John's vivid description of this manifestation. As God pours out his judgment on the world, notice the first thing he says, there will be a great earthquake. Anybody ever been through an earthquake? I remember, what, it was, we were at Waco, so this would have been early 2000s. One morning I wake up and the ground shaking. And y'all love this. Angie said, what's that? I said, I think it's an earthquake. And she said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going back to bed. This is so funny. The other night we were at the house and having a good conversation. And, you know, it's different at our house now. It's just us. Man, I went to make some cheese dip for the Bama game on the 31st. And I didn't have to get but one pound of sausage, one bag of chips. It's kind of nice. But, yeah, I just, uh, but Angie said, because uh, as much as it costs to go to the grocery store now, thank God I ain't feeding them girls. Woo, Lord. Angel, I was talking to her about something. She said, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. We were just talking about something. Can't remember what it was. Something about groceries. And she said, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. You know what Siri said? Siri said, I'm not sure I can help with that right now. <laughs> Am I telling the tale, Angel? That happened, didn't it? I said, I told you, they're listening to us. Everywhere, man. I remember having to read 1984, seventh grade. I didn't read much of it, but I remember hearing about it. And, uh, I remember hearing all stuff about Big Brother. Can I tell you, Big Brother is with us. Woo! Lee Siri knows she ain't God. Amen. Earthquakes often accompany a divine visitation of Scripture. That's part of judgment. He also says the sun will become black as sackcloth, which refers to the cloth that was made with goat's hair that was worn in times of mourning during that time. They were familiar with the uh, analogy or the illustration and they could clearly see how serious that was he said the moon would became like blood which will become be that the moon will appear to be a very deep red color during this time most theologians believe that because of the worldwide earthquakes it will produce massive volcanic activity which will cause the atmosphere, of course, to be filled with smoke and ash that will darken the sun and redden the moon. That's very, very probable. He said the stars fell, stars of heaven fell to the earth. This refers to a massive meteor or 
asteroid storm that will rain down on the earth. They will fall. Notice how the imagery there. They will fall as a fig tree shaken by a mighty wind. If you've ever seen that happen, I've seen them go through the orange groves and different and, and the pecan groves down in South Georgia, and they'll shake those trees with this little machine off the PTO and a tractor, and they will fall like crazy. See, these meteors, these fiery balls will be so intense that there will be nowhere to hide and nowhere to find safety. He says the sky will be rolled up, which describes the sheer magnitude of destruction that the sixth seal will bring. He said every mountain and every island will be moved of its place. How could this happen? Well, due to the massive earthquakes and massive volcanic eruptions, the instability of the earth's crust, which is already pretty shaky, will cause the moving and the shifting of mountains and islands and land masses will be displaced. He said the judgments that are referred to in the scripture here are what we know as the day of the Lord. When we look at the phrase the day of the Lord, it's mentioned 19 times in your Old Testament, four times in your New Testament. It's mentioned of the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2. It is mentioned by the apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2. Uh, Peter could have been talking much about the destruction that would take place in Jerusalem that happened in AD 70. But what you're reading now was written 25 plus years later and it certainly concurs with the days of Joel that push us toward that future judgment that will come. The day of the Lord will have preliminary judgments in these first five seals. But as the sixth seal is open, it begins in earnest the opening of the great tribulation. And notice with me verse 15 and 17, I'm done. It'll be a time of inescapable fury. Who all will be affected by the opening of this sixth seal? Well, just look at the text and let the text tell us. It begins by talking about the kings of the earth. You know who those are? Those are the heads of the states. Those are your presidents and your different dictators and leaders and ones that are the heads of state in the countries. It will be great men, which also includes high-ranking government officials. Rich men, those who control commerce and business across the globe. The commanders are the military leaders. The mighty men are influential citizens. Every slave and every free man refers to common folk just like me and you. But instead of repentance, instead of turning to God because of the judgment that is coming, because of the strong delusion that will be present, because they will believe the lies of Antichrist, instead of repenting, they try to hide themselves from God. But you can notice from the text today, there is no place to hide. They would rather plead for a violent death so that they would not continue to face the wrath of God. Notice how they refer to him. They refer to him as the one who sits on the throne. Isn't that amazing? In the midst of all this, isn't that pretty amazing? In the midst of all the chaos, earthquakes, the volcanic eruptions, and all the asteroids, and all the meteors, and all of the things that are happening in bringing judgment to the world, they still recognize it is he who sits on the throne. That means that they clearly see 
that it is the sovereign God of the universe that has been the author of all these judgments. Nothing is beyond his control. I'm going to pull my stool up for a minute because I want to talk to you as intimately as I know how as my family of faith. As I was reading all this stuff and getting ready, and I want you to know I read about 15 people a week after I talk to God. I want you to know I never read anybody until I talk to God and I write down everything I believe. And I, I write a bunch. Y'all couldn't read it, but I can, right? And you got me one of those fancy little notebooks for Christmas. I ain't learned how to use it yet. And don't you laugh at me. You couldn't figure it out either, okay? But it's one of those notebooks that's supposed to turn your handwriting into text. I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm still getting ready to do it. That's going to be awesome. Save me some time. But one of my favorite authors is a guy named Charles Swindoll. You ever heard of him? What a man of God. What a great leader. What a great pastor. What a man of passion. I've learned a lot from this man. And I want to share with you. These won't be on the screen. I want you to look right here and hear me these next few minutes. I want to share with you what... Uh, he shared at the end of his writing on these verses. He always ends up with a page on application. I'm a firm believer in practical application. A wise preacher told me once, said, Brian, until you help people make practical application, you've yet to really faithfully declare the word of God. So I want to help you make some application by helping my, my brother Swindoll. He said this. He said, the warning itself demonstrates God's love and grace you need to see that in the text you don't need to look there and go all he wants to do is kill people all he wants to do is punish people all he wants to do is just destroy the world no no he's been pleading with the world to come to his son to him through his son for the past 2,000 years don't tell me all he wants to do is kill people he is a God of love and grace but he is also a God who is serious about sin and because he's holy he cannot stop from punishing sin there's a second thing he said he said the series of judgments in this in the book of the revelation grow in severity have you noticed that first there was a false peace which a lot of people fall for and, and, and then there was there was war which we've seen all of our lives but this is even widespread then there was famine we've all seen salmon famine but this won't be localized it's globalized and and then there's death and that begins to get people's attention and then the sixth seal opens and boy it really gets in earnest they grow in severity and then finally God's judgments are always completely under his control look here just I mentioned something earlier about the, the house of representatives took all away you think God was shocked by that do you think God is shocked by what's taking place in Russia, Russia and Ukraine? Do you think God is taken by surprise all the corruption that is in our world and in our governments, regardless of where you are or who you line up with? Do you think any of this stuff is just taking God by surprise? Not at all. Then he ends with this. The last words of verse 17 said, who's going to be able to stand this kind of judgment? Well, I'm going to answer it for you in two words. No one is going to be able to stand. Paul told us in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that all this stuff that's taking place, all the things that we see taking place around us, they will begin suddenly. 
after Jesus calls his church to meet him in the air, I'm telling you, the restraining force of the Holy Spirit, strong delusion to believe a lie, and judgment like this world has never seen. And if you think you're going to be able to stand and you're rough and tough and hard to bluff, I want to tell you, you are believing a lie already. If you think, I'll just wait and see, listen to me. Today is the day of grace. If you come to Christ today, this body is going to cheer for you. They're going to clap their hands. They're going to celebrate. And they're going to thank God for the great work of grace that took place in your life. But you mean to tell me that you're going to wait and you won't come to Jesus in this day, but you're just going to wait till they say, look here, you either follow the Antichrist or we cut your head off with a guillotine. If you think for a minute that you're going to come to Christ then when you won't come to Christ now, you're already believing a lie. Why do I tell you that? It's because I love you. I care about you. I don't want to see you die without Jesus. And I don't want you to believe his lie and spend eternity totally separated from God in a real awful place called hell. When Jesus has simply said, Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for your word today. I want to thank you for how your word challenges me each and every day and each and every week as I stand before your people. Our Father, here's my heart today, and I know it's your heart. That men, women, boys, and girls would no longer put off the need to follow Jesus. But today, they'd make the best decision they ever made, and that is to come place their faith in you as Lord and Savior to begin a relationship of love. And Lord, also, they'd miss these terrible judgments. They wouldn't be on the planet for this. But God, I pray for those that are still hanging in the balance. They'd come to you today. God, I pray for your church, your, 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 your bride. God, I know many of them today maybe grown cold and indifferent, maybe began to stray a little bit and drift and let the world set their agenda and not the word. God, I pray their heart would be energized today and come to faith in you, God. And they would come today. And God, they would repent, be restored. And God, they would be energized to share their faith with lost and hurting people. I pray, God, your will be done. In Christ's name. The heads about eyes are closed. No one is singing. No one is looking around or anything. And I just want to ask you before we extend this invitation. There's an old hymn that says this, Is thy heart right with God? Washed in the crimson flood, cleansing made holy, humble and lowly, right in the sight of God. Friend, is your heart right with God today? Are you one that would be in this building if the church was taken away today? Would you be one who stood in the crosshairs of these seals of judgment that will be poured out on the earth? I plead with you to come today. Only you and God know that. I, don't, I can't judge your salvation. But I 
plead with you to come. Maybe you're a child of God here today. Are you one who needs to be more energized and more faithful to tell others in these closing days of this day of grace? Is your heart right with God? Whatever be the case, whatever decisions you need to make, would you come to Christ today is my most humble prayer. Let's stand together all across the house. Marty's going to lead us. And if God has spoken to your heart today, friend, please don't delay. That very first verse, very first word, step into that nearest aisle and come to Jesus. Marty, when you're ready. singing you come now sing one other verse of that song and as we do too I want to remind you the altar is always open for you it doesn't have to be open it stays open if you have needs or whatever you're a child of God and God has called upon you to make this church your home family we invite you to do as God leads you to do today but Marty's going to lead us in one other verse when you're ready
Jesus' glory today. Thank him for the day. Amen. Amen. Thank you much. Thank you. As you're being seated, our gentlemen are coming from the back, from the back to receive morning tithes and offerings. I'll remind you if you have used the uh, tear-off section of the bulletin for any reason, prayer requests, if you're a guest to register your visit with us today, we'd appreciate that so very much. And any way we can pray for you or any interest you have, uh, please note that. No, I like that shirt, buddy. Not today, Satan. I like that. I was in the grocery store one day, and there was a young, I mean, excuse me, drugstore one day, a young girl working in there that was struggling with her addiction to Dr. Pepper. And uh, Michael, you identify with her, don't you? Okay. Okay. And she told me, she said, the Lord has been helping me. I have been so wanting a Dr. Pepper. But I said, not today, Satan. And I just had a Coke. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, boy, you showed him. <laughs> I mean, you just got to get out there and live. You'll get you plenty of illustrations, won't you? Anyhow. But uh, nevertheless, this is a part of worship, church. Giving is worship. Uh, it's a demonstration of our dependence on God. And I'm really, I get concerned for folks when they hold back on God because if you hold back on God, it's dangerous because it, it just, there's no limit to where that would end. And it's not about money. I'm not a fundraiser. I'm like Adrian Rogers. I'm not here to raise funds. I'm here to raise God's kids. Amen. And the way we help raise God's kids is we teach you dependence and we teach you that He is your source and that by your giving today is twofold. It's awesome. One, you learn to be dependent who your source is and two, you get to be a part of funding something hell itself can't stop and that's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You get to touch lives across the street and around the world. You're helping feed hungry people. You're helping clothe children with clothes and shoes and jackets and things like that. You're helping support church planning uh, across our nation, across our continent, and around the globe. You're, you're, you're investing in sending missionaries. Yeah, you, we keep the lights on and we repair when things break and all that kind of... Yeah, it's all that stuff too. There's maintenance along the way. But what's amazing is, is the mission. Amen? The mission, and the mission is, and I'll tell you what, I believe that Heflin Baptist Church needs to live every day so that we, if we weren't here tomorrow, folks would come hunting us, amen? amen. I told y'all about that guy one time that uh, got lost. He, he got left, left out on an island, him and one other guy. The guy was panicking, said, man, who's going to come get us? Their boat's broke, nobody's going to come. He says, don't worry. He said, I give a million dollars a year to the church. My pastor's looking for me as we speak. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> just got to lighten it up a little bit, amen? But, but when you give today, give from your heart, okay? Uh, the new heart that God gives you. Give from the leadership of the Holy Spirit because I want you to know God's going to do great things in 23. And much of it is contingent upon our faithfulness to be dependent on Him. Let's join our hearts together and ask God's blessings on our giving.
remember this this week our, our theme for 23 we'll have a big banner coming this week called open hearts open heavens we believe if we open our heart and we pray he opens the heavens he can use us to do great and mighty things in your head I want to do this for a few so all you students that are going on the retreat if you would just make your way up to the platform here I'd appreciate it very much all you students and then after students all you wonderful lucky lucky chaperones if y'all will come on up too I would appreciate that just make you Carly you stand up here don't let us all your stand behind this pulpit come right here I'm kidding go ahead y'all all come up and our our uh, chaperones and just make your way on circle all the way around if you would Harrison old buddy come on around because I want you to see uh, what you're doing and who you're supporting yes I'm in <laughs> That's why when they come ask you, can they rake your leaves to help going on the retreat? I want you to see who you're helping and, and what you're investing in. Always remember this, investing in the next generation should never be viewed by a church as an expense. It should always be viewed as an investment, amen? An expense is what happens, you know, you go to the grocery store, groceries are an expense. We all done got in the habit of going there, right? The Waffle House, an expense, right? But when you make an investment, there's a return. And the return is not what we get, but the glory God gets. Amen? Through seeing these young people grow up and see the difference that they will make. One day we won't be here anymore, and we're going to need folks to come behind us and carry the torch. And I want to say thank you for your investment in those who are carrying the torch on right now. Those who are investing these young people, they'll have a good time. Anybody, Jackson, is anybody skiing besides you? Y'all are skiing too? It's... Sawyer's not skiing. No, okay. Mama said. Mama said. That sounded like Bobby Boucher, didn't it? Mama said. He's a tuber. All you rest of y'all tubers? He tubers? Y'all are my kind of people, right? But no, I, I appreciate the skiers. They have nice centers of gravity. But uh, tubers, we're safe. But I wanted to, uh, to do this so you would see these young people. You hear about them, you see them here in church and on Wednesday night stuff. But I wanted you to see what God is doing. And I think it's awesome, don't you? I think it really is. Well, let's pray together, and we're going to close the service like this here. I'm going to pray, and then Marty, where are you at? Uh, Marty, Marty, you going? <laughs> these young folks going to help you close the service. They going to help you sing it out. Waymaker, y'all know Waymaker. Y'all going to help Marty close it out. But I want to pray for him first, and then then we'll all stand after I pray, and then Marty's going, and the students here going to close us out. Waymaker, and I'll be out front. Please come by. I'd love to shake all your hands and. And thank you for being here and tell you how much I think of you because, listen, don't ever forget that I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen? Pray with me for these students. Lord God, I thank you for these young people. I thank you for the adults that weekly, daily are investing in these young people, planning and preparing and putting together worship time for them on Wednesday night and activities and things, God, to get them to come together as one not a group that's you know cliquish or set off in the world but just a group of young people that just love you because they love you they can't help but love each other thank you for all those that invest in them thank you for pro providing the resources necessary for this re winter retreat next weekend and God I pray for safety as they travel but most of all I pray that you meet with them and that they will open their hearts that you might open the heavens. 
I pray that every one of them will go to the retreat with, with the goal in mind is that I want God to speak to me this weekend. I want God to do such a work in me and such a work in my group that we'd never be the same. That we wouldn't follow the crowd at school and we wouldn't go along to get along. But we realize we were not built to fit in. We are built to stand out. And Lord, I just want everyone of them to know how much I love them. I'm thankful you sent them to Heflin Baptist Church to give me and others the opportunity to have some level of influence in their life. And God, may we be faithful not to squander that opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for your good grace and your endless mercy. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand with me if you would. Marty and our students are going to sing us out. The chorus. The chorus.